0: All right, everybody, we're going to be in 1 John today. So if you're not familiar with your Bible, you can go ahead and actually flip towards the back of it and then just a few pages in, is 1 John. This is a book written to a church that's unidentified by an author who's unidentified, but it was written in such a way with such conviction that the early church adopted it in as part of scripture. And so if you want to learn more about who the author may be or where the audience may be, uh, you should listen to the Bible Project video that we looked at last week. And if you didn't get a chance to do that, uh, you can scroll back in YouTube, click in Bible Project, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and up will pop a video that will give you a whole lot of insight that's really, really helpful. Uh, But for those of us who did watch that video, I'm going to be taking the stance that the Apostle John wrote that, so you'll probably hear me talking about that. Uh, Apostle John, one of Jesus' followers, who wrote the Gospel of John that we just studied all through Lent. Uh, I believe he also wrote this book. The, uh, man, the, the themes look very similar. The way it's written is super similar. The layered up imagery that makes you read it like six, seven times before you feel like you really got it is just so John-ish. If I can be the expert, that's what I'm going with. If you have a different opinion, that's completely all right. Let's just go, his name is John, and he's writing an audience. And that's what I really want to hunker in on. That's what I want to kind of zero towards, is who is he writing to? Uh, this is a letter written to a church that this pastor loves dearly. He's clearly uh, very passionate about wanting them to come to grips with the reality of the gospel, and then not just Start as a church well. This was written really early on. Uh, Not just start as a church well, but continue as a church well. You see, this congregation, what we can learn from them is that they began to follow the ways of Jesus, right? So they came in, they believed good news. Jesus is the Messiah. And many of you have believed that as well. Good news, Jesus is king. Good news, Jesus is God's son who was set to cure what was wrong with God's world and to fix not only creation, but human beings in that. That he came to give new hearts that didn't just have to follow God, but wanted to follow God. That as people gave their allegiance to him and his kingdom way of life, they were able to enjoy restored good life now. And then people came in and started believing that. And they formed together as a church, a community, a family who wanted to display God's glory to others. It should sound familiar. It's why we gather together as Missio Mesa. We want to display God's glory here in Mesa and then echoing out throughout God's creation. Similar. They had people come into the church who were passionately following a part of the community, but somewhere along the way, began to believe different things about Jesus, things that were not true, things that led him to be lesser than he was. They started to believe there was a way of life where you could believe what's right in your head, but not have to practice it out in your life. And we see this in John, when he's talking about 1 John writing down, hey guys, you can't say you love God, but hate your neighbor. Like you can't see people in need and say, man, uh, I would despise you, I don't wanna give you anything, but man, praise Jesus, I love God says you can't be like that. You can't think in your head, yes, I believe these things to be true about Jesus as Lord, but not have them shift what your functional Savior is, that thing that you're trusting to make you someone. And so when we want to rebel against God and say, I can love Jesus, but go on rebelling against God with an open fist John says that's not the way we can live life, but they they thought in their head, I can believe this. I can say some words maybe or confess something to be true, but not have to live it out. And John's going to have some very, very brilliant words to speak to them. And so I'm excited for us to spend time in this book. Before I go any further though, here's what I want you to do. Um, whether it's in the chat bar or with a few people that you're around on your back patio or in your living room, would you just talk for a few minutes and say, man, what is it about this book that you're excited about? Hopefully last week you listened to the entire book of John. And so maybe you've had some notes written down. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to listen to First John or read it last week, then you've got just a little bit from what I just shared. But would you just turn to a few people and talk about Why is it that you think the Spirit of God might have this church, our church, Missio de Mesa, you as an individual, in listening to this teaching at this season in life? Take a few minutes, uh, talk to each other, process through this. What was something that excited you? What are you curious about? Why do you think God has this for you right now? And then we'll come back together with the teaching in verses 1 through 4 of 1 John. Enjoy. Welcome back, everybody. Glad that you got a chance to talk about that. Um, One of the reasons I think God has this book for us right now that he was pressing it in is because we have started well as a church, but he wants us to continue on in love. He wants us to continue on in fellowship with him as a father and each other as sister and brothers not just to start well, but to finish well. Uh, To this afternoon, I went out and uh, there was a lot of squawking going on. And so squawking, I don't have pigeons. Well, I do have pigeons, but I don't have chickens. Uh, I don't have any other birds that I keep as pets, though they seem to think that I do. But uh, there was a lot of squawking, these blackbirds going around, making it look like something out of Alfred Hitchcock, just swarming around like crazy. And it was a little disorienting. I had heard it inside and so went outside to see what was going on. And when I got out there, they were all hovering over the pool, going crazy and so i looked up at the birds and then i was like man they're all in this one area and then i looked down and in the pool was a little baby bird Uh, a smaller bird it had wings it looked like it was young enough Uh, and so piecing it together uh, its head was above water so i took a second didn't rescue it right away uh, but looked up and there was a nest in our palm tree that hangs over the pool And what I can guess happened was this little baby bird, it started well, it started to form, and then when it went to launch out, to fly, it didn't make it very far. It made it just into the pool. And so I scooped it out and put it back and uh, took it out of the pool to let it live, hopefully, for much longer. Uh, But it started well, it thought it was good to go, and then something went tragically wrong. And here's the deal. This happens to churches all the time. Uh, There are many, many communities of faith that start well, but then something goes wrong, and they end up gasping for air only minutes or years after starting. And one of the things that happens to churches often is that they forget about God as the center of their community and move towards something else as the center. God and His good news, His kingdom, shift from being the primary thing to an extra thing. Another thing that shifts is people stop believing that it's Jesus alone who rescues and they start to get inflated and think that their own methodology or their own personality or their own skills or their own ability to lead missional communities or to do things in their city is enough and they remove themselves from the power of God. And as such, they start gasping for air only minutes after launching. And then a third thing that often happens and this is something that happens uh, quite a bit is that churches can quickly go from being passionate about Jesus, passionate about God, and quickly turn on each other. And when you stop loving Jesus, you stop loving each other. When you stop living as if God is the center, you have no motivation to continue on in love for your brother or sister. And it happens often. So John's writing into a church that started well, but it seems like there might be some things in there that have them gasping for air right now. And he wants to speak words of life to them and give them invitations to participation in God's new way of life that's there for them so they can continue to grow in a way that's healthy and that they can be a gospel presence in their city for many years to come. And that's what I think God wants for us as well. And so some of these things might be surprising, some of them might be things that you're familiar with, but either way, I would love for us to sit and soak in this book for the next few weeks, asking the Spirit, what is it that you have for me, and then how do I live that out? So let's start reading together. If you've got a Bible, 1 John 1, and we'll keep reading. Verse 1 that which was from the beginning. Uh, If you followed along, sorry, I didn't get very far. If you were tracking in John, when we read John 1, 1, he starts that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Uh, He was echoing back to Genesis 1, where it starts off in the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. And again, at the beginning of his book, uh, 1 John to this church showing them how to live as a gospel people in God's world, he writes again, that which was from the beginning bringing us back, this is a creation story. It's a story of beauty and rightness and things the way that they were meant to be at the very beginning. That which was at the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. He says, these are the things that we saw with our eyes, that we heard with our ears, that we touched with our hands. The Christian faith is not a set of ideas but it's an embodied faith. The first thing I want us to see about following Jesus is that it's based on facts. He goes through the scientific method, right? He says, these are things that we observed with our eyes, we heard with our ears, we touched with our hands. We participated in this. We felt it, we saw it, we heard it, we experienced it. It wasn't like somebody just came and and told us a story that we thought, hey, that sounds kind of cool. Let's hear more of that story and then somehow got duped into this. He says we live this. This is history for us. The following Jesus is based in facts. It's based in actual events. Things that took place that could be checked out, that were checked out. Stories that were told but then rooted in something real. Not just fairy tales. In 1 John, John starts off this letter saying, I was there, I saw that, I heard that, I touched that, and these are all concerning the word of life. Remember John 1, he started off the same way, in the beginning was the word, and again he says, now this is the word, the word of life. Following Jesus has always been about how do we experience God's abundant life, his eternal life, now. How do we live as people who live into what God has for us now, not just when we die? And he says, I want to tell you all these things concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. That's a technical term. That's a legal term. We give testimony. We attest. We verify. We say these things are real. Again, they're facts. Following Jesus is based in history not just preference or ideology, but reality. We have seen it, testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father has appeared to us. He's talking about Jesus. And we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. He says, we're telling you these things because we want you to be able to have fellowship. This word is koinonia. It's it's this idea that shared life. We want you to experience not just eternal life, but shared life together with us which might sound like a great idea. If you like John, you're like, yo, John, what's up? And you're like, yo, I want to come over to my house. And John's like, sure, I'd love to come over to your house. And you're like, yeah, we get to hang out. I want to hang out with John and his people. They're good people. That would be fellowship, right? But he says, our fellowship, it wouldn't just be with us, but catch this. He goes on to say, we proclaim to you that you have seen and heard that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. He says, there is a fellowship that we have with God himself and Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. And so that that table fellowship, that idea that we get to to be together and experience oneness and wholeness and relationship that I want to invite you into, that life is marked by relationship with God, the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. And he says, we write this to make our joy complete. Some translations might say your joy complete. Uh, it's a bit of a, a technical difference in there that people are trying to figure out. It doesn't sound like good grammar to say that you, we want to write this so that uh, our joy is complete. But um, I think we're going to get into that. And so uh, three things I want us to see. That as we follow Jesus as a church, uh, as we say we want to be led by the Spirit of God on the mission of God to the places that God has sent us, that our life together is marked, one, by history, That is, real events that really took place in history. That God's unfolding story is not a set of ideas or ideals, but it's real events. And so, the idea that Jesus died is not just wishful thinking, but the fact that Jesus died and rose again changes everything. Real events. He really rescued He really did absorb the Father's wrath. He really did rise again, promising new life based in facts. But following Jesus is also going to involve mystery. Mystery. Like, man, Kevin, where'd you get that from? Uh, I didn't read that word in there. Track with me a little bit. The invitation for us to have fellowship with God, right? The the cosmic creator, the one who made it so we can live on this uh, ball that is spinning around in outer space at, I don't know, 70,000 miles an hour and we still chill here and we don't have a problem with that, right? The God who created land and sea and birds and animals and mountains and valleys and oceans and deserts and animals that we're still discovering, that he created all that. Wants to have relationship with us. And that same Jesus, the one who really did live a life and die a death and rose again, the one who existed before all time, God himself, Jesus, also wants to share and spend life with us. That's fellowship that we get to be involved in. Man, that that should blow your mind. I think we get so used to hearing that God wants to have a relationship with us. and It's like, yeah, cool. That sounds good. Man. As I was reading it this week, uh, I was sitting out by the pool again and uh, reading uh, in the morning when I do. And so I was just like, man, there is so much that I don't comprehend about that. And it was just kind of washing over me and, and again making me feel that sense of wonder that, that God wants to have a relationship with me. And he invites me into that. That's crazy. So it's based in facts. Facts. There is mystery, and so I think maybe for some of us, we might go to one side or the other, and so I'm just actually gonna stop there. Let me uh, give you just a minute to turn towards each other and say, in your life uh, so far, as you've been following Jesus or being curious about things of faith, uh, which has drawn you in more? Has it been the facts, the historicity, the reality, the, the concrete nature of this is what's taken place? Or has it been the mystery? That there's something that deep within you that echoes out that says, man, there is more out there and it draws you to God. And as you have this unfolding relationship with God, there's there's a mysterious way that you find yourself drawn and experiencing life together with the Creator and His Son and His Spirit that's mind-blowing, but all that mystery kind of draws you in. So has it been more for your life, more, more in the facts, more in the history, or has it been more in the mystery? Uh, spend a few minutes, talk about that, share a little bit of your experience. Um, And if you get done early before I pull you back, you can go to part two of the question. Part one would be which one's been more of your life? Part two would be what makes you a little uncertain about the other one? Uh, It could be a fun conversation to have if you have the time. So take a few minutes and then I'll pull you back in just a moment for the third thing that I want us to talk about. I hope that was a good conversation for you guys. Uh, sorry, I get bored with these things. So uh, hopefully you're not. But uh, was that history or mystery? I would love to hear a little bit about which has been more driving for you. Um, and so feel free if that's a conversation you want to keep going, or maybe you're a little uncertain about where you should go with that. I would love to have a conversation with you more. Because John's in this book in both of those. As a community of Jesus followers, you're going to be rooted in history. There's going to be a lot of mystery. But the third thing is the invite. History, mystery, invite. That we're invited into this life together. That it is possible for you, no matter where you're at, no matter what your background has been, no matter how long you follow Jesus or how short you've even been curious about the things of Jesus, no matter how jacked up your background or you were popped out and were born in the birth of a church and you're like, man, I've been in church my whole life. uh, No matter what it was, there is still a spot at the table for you. There's a spot for that fellowship for you yourself, if you will accept that invite. And John says it like this. He says, we write it to you because we want you to have that fellowship with us. We want we want you. We want that invitation to go out to you where you're saying, man, I receive that. I want that. I want to know that Jesus. I want to know that God. I want to experience that life that you're inviting me into. I want that. That invite goes out and then you have a choice to respond to it. You have a choice to say, yes, I want that. Or nah, hard pass. I don't want anything to do with that. I want to find a different Savior. I want to find a different story. I want to find a different way to live. Because here's the thing. Each of us have accepted an invitation to fellowship with some Savior. Each of us have. And so you might be like, I'm not religious. Hold up a second. What are you trying to put out there on me? I want nothing to do with God or his... Give me a second. There is something... That has promised you the good life it's out there everywhere it might be a zip code to live in it might be the approval of a parent it might be a certain car a curtain certain spouse it might be a certain number of kids it might be kids getting into a certain school it might be a certain socioeconomic level some dollar amount that you want to have in your bank account something has told you if you get me you will have the good life if you get me you will have the good life What is that for you? You've accepted an invitation, whether you knew it or not, to make something the center of your life that everything else will orient around. And the invitation of John and the invitation for us is to say, man, make fellowship with God that thing. Because if you receive that, then our joy is complete. Like, I will be so stoked if you make Jesus the center of your life because I've seen it and I've tasted it and I've seen that it's good. I've experienced that for myself. John says that. I'm saying that to you as Kevin. I've experienced that and I go on experiencing that. And I want you to as well. And if you were to turn and say, man, I accepted an invitation that maybe just following the rules would lead me to the good life. If that's the way you live, you will be disappointed and you will be dejected and your head will go down because you can never be good enough to actually experience good life. And maybe you said, hey, I don't want anything to do with any of those rules, I'm gonna live my own way and the good life can be had by me going out and doing whatever I want to do. And so that could be happening in grade school, it could be happening in elementary school, it could be happening in your junior high, your senior high, your college, your job, whatever it is, your retirement home, We can all live that way where we said, I'm gonna do whatever I wanna do and make myself happy. And Jesus says, man, that is not the good life. And John's now saying, man, that is not the good life. Life spent in fellowship with God and then overflowing with other followers of God, orienting together around God's story, orienting together around his way of life. That will lead to the fullest expression of life that you could ever imagine. And Jesus invites us into that. And so we have a choice today, again, to say, do I want to live my life as God lays out? Do I want to live my life as Jesus invites me into? Do I want to live my life as if he truly was God? And everything else needs to come in line because of that. That's the invitation of John. That's the invitation for us. And so if you've never received that invitation before, man, you can absolutely do that today to say, I choose Jesus and his healing, freeing, reconciling power to be what makes me right. You can absolutely choose that. If you have done that before, but you were to look at your life and be like, man, I know at one time, like like at one time in my life, that really was the center thing for me. Like I got excited about that. I got fired up. I felt as if I was in fellowship and unity and communion with God himself. Like I felt that. I know that. But it hasn't been like that for a while. Can you at least be honest with yourself? Uh, maybe one of the things that's happened during this COVID season is that you've realized a lot of your faith was propped up on the patterns of life more than the person of Jesus. And, and don't hear that with guilt. Don't hear that with shame. Hear that with the invitation to renewed participation in God's work, renewed participation in his mission, renewed participation into fellowship with God himself. And so if you've been finding that you had more of a pattern of a life than following the person of Jesus, it's easy. Repent. Repent turn back, give your allegiance again to Jesus and say, all right, what does it look like today for me to live as if there was history to that? this? So there is confidence that the gospel is true. What does it look like for me to live like there's mystery? Maybe some pieces that I don't understand. I can't be too arrogant because there's so much of life with Jesus that I don't get. There's so much of who God is that's infinite that I don't get. That's okay. Live into that. And then third, will I respond to that invitation to continue to live in light of that history, press into the mystery, and enjoy participation in life with Jesus together? I'm excited for where the rest of this book is going. Uh, Let me pray for us, and then we will be sent out with a benediction. Uh, God, you are a good, good God. Uh, You give words, you give thoughts, you give dreams, you give visions, you give energy to us to want to accomplish what you've done, but I, I just pray for two gifts as my friends are listening to this, Uh, would the first be encouragement that maybe hearing again that the gospel is grounded in reality, they would find confidence for all that's uncertain in this world. Um, There's a lot of that right now. And the second thing, encouragement, but then also conviction. My God, would you show us the ways that our lives have maybe veered or drifted off path? Uh, maybe we're like that baby bird that, that jumped out of the nest and then just immediately started gulping for air and don't want, know what to do next. Uh, would we look up and see you, Jesus, as a rescuing king who has reached down to us and will save us wherever we're at? Would you give us the time and space to press into these questions? Give us the courage to accept your invitation. And Jesus, would we live as faithful followers uh, today in whatever our circumstances are? And tomorrow, and whatever that world brings, knowing that you are a good king who is certain, secure, and will see us through. We love you, and we ask this in your name and by the power of your spirit. Amen. Enjoy the benediction and the sending out, guys. Uh, love you, I miss you, hope to see you soon.